It was a firebolt, identical to the dream broom Harry had gone to see every day in Diagon Alley. Its handle glittered as he picked it up. He could feel it vibrating and let go. It hung in midair, unsupported, at exactly the right height for him to mount it. His eyes moved from the golden registration number at the top of the handle right down to the perfectly smooth, streamlined birch twigs that made up the tail. Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine and brooms, one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I live for spooky season. I'm Anne, and I am glad to live in a world where there are Octobers. So, uh, so Drea, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about where we are right now? I mean, do I have to? You do. I know it's spooky season, but goddamn. <laughs> so... Uh, we are once again reunited, recording in the flesh together from an undisclosed location in Brooklyn that I was told was rather swank, and um, I was lied to. So, uh, talk about spooky season. I am 99% sure this place is haunted. There is some weird rando basement where they had a wine key, but no cups or water. Um, and there's a condemned building across the street from me. So like it's Brooklyn. <laughs> so if you hear any weird sounds on this podcast, if you're getting a weird recording or whatever, we're it's just a ghost. <laughs> we're in a different place. Who knows what's going on? We've been murdered. <laughs> Please tell our parents we love them. <laughs> Hi all. So I know I just told you that we were all about to get murdered in a haunted hotel in Brooklyn. But actually, spoiler alert, we lived, and now we're recording our cheers and jeers and our shenanigans segment at a later date. So we're going to kick off right then, and then we will be back to the murdering and back to the wine later in the episode. So to kick us off, Drea, do you want to start with your cheers and jeers? I also just want to start with a disclaimer that that murder hotel was real it was a thing i took photos people are concerned i'm just saying we did survive so cheers to that barely i don't know if my dignity will ever survive it's fine it's fine but yes cheers and jeers so i know i just really bitched about having to stay in a murder hotel across the street from a condemned building Um, So my cheers may seem slightly ridiculous this time around, but, you know, I'm a contrary person. So my cheers for this episode is horror movies. Honestly, this is the best time of the year. I love all the classic horror movies from the 30s and the through the 60s. That's really my jam. Once we get into the 80s, it's a little like, girl, no. But that golden era, classic era of Hollywood horror films, Universal Monsters, all of it, um, I love it. And for Halloween, I have a full lineup of Dracula, Frankenstein, and Phantom of the Opera. So I'm super excited. Uh, I gotta be honest, one of those things seems not like the others, but you do you, boo. I'm sorry, are we referring to Phantom of the Opera, the classic horror film starring Lon Chaney? Uh, no, we were referring to the 2006 one with that guy from 300. No, absolutely not. Why the fuck would I watch that? That's horrid. This is an well, an- that's why I was confused. <laughs> this is an Andrew Lloyd Webber party. <laughs> Just checking. Ugh. All right, well, let's get to my jeers. Um, and let's let's see if this one tracks. Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel in October. In fact, Christmas anything in October. Like, fucking calm down, everyone. It's October. There's a whole other month. In fact, there's almost two whole other months between right now and Christmas morning. Everyone needs to chill the fuck out. 
I went to go look for some Halloween decor to backfill my already rather impressive plethora of Halloween decor. Not a Halloween serving tray to be found. Nowhere. Do you know why? Because everything's in the shape of Christmas trees, gingerbread men, and angels, and it's really pissing me off. I feel like maybe you could DIY an angel into a vampire. Like an angel of death situation? Yeah, just like uh, spray paint that tray black, give it some little fangs. I mean, that does track for my my affinity for craftiness and the amount of spray paint that I currently have under the sink in my kitchen. I look forward to seeing the results. <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> All right, girl, what are your cheers and jeers for this episode? Cheers to the leaves changing colors. Uh, it has been so fun uh, to just be able to look outside my window and see all of the trees. They always start with sort of the, the trees that have kind of small golden leaves. Um, and so those have been turning first. But lately, we've also been getting the trees that have more of a reddish leaf going. And I'm still waiting for most of the really big, really old trees in the cemetery to start turning. So it's nice to just be able to kind of see the way that the season progresses. So cheers, cheers to leaf peeping. I love that for you, especially since I have no idea what that's like in this drought ridden hellhole. Imagine when your plants die and they sort of like get all floopy floppy and kind of change colors. It's like that, but prettier. And my jeers this week is also Halloween themed. Jeers to healthy trick-or-treat snacks. Just let kids have candy. They deserve it. They deserve candy. Give them all the candy. Have some candy yourself if you want to. Just candy, not healthy snacks. It's Halloween. Agreed. Could not agree more. So what is your favorite Halloween candy? Um, well, as a vegan, it gets really difficult because most candy is milk chocolate. But there are some really great kind of um, duplicates that you can get. And so if I'm getting a duplicate, I love like an Almond Joy or a Mounds. I like the coconut and chocolate combination. I also used to love a Snickers. And I really like the Justin's peanut butter cups that you can get. Oh, and the dark chocolate ones are vegan. So those are some of my favorites. Love them. Basically candy, any candy, almost any candy. What about you? Uh, I am a forever sucker for Reese's peanut butter cups. They are so trashy and I love them so much. And Kit Kat. Nice. I just love a Kit Kat. And when I was a kid, I mean, when I was a kid last week, like to this day, if there is candy in my parents' house, like a Kit Kat or a Reese's, my mother will put them in the fridge because she knows that I hate cold candy. I want that room temperature, like chocolate gooeyness. Mm -hmm. I don't want them ice cold. That is an affront to the candy. Um, but she does it so she doesn't have to share, which is very on brand for her. Way to go, Rose. <laughs> yep. Teaching us all the tricks. So in honor of our Halloween-themed episode and in honor of the ghost that haunt the halls at Hogwarts, so thank you very much, uh, Grey Lady, Nearly Headless Nick, even you, Peeves, we thought it would be really fun for our shenanigans segment to tell each other a ghost story. And I believe both of our stories are kind of true. I, I hesitate to call them true stories because we're both mildly insane, but experiences that we have both had. Is that accurate? Yes. Awesome. So, uh, Anne, tell me a ghost story. Okay. So when I was maybe four or five maybe six. Um, I was in my bedroom at home and I was supposed to be taking a nap. I hated naps as a little kid. I just could never fall asleep. So I was lying there in bed and I remember that this was before my sister and I got bunk beds. So we just had two sort of like regular beds 
in the room next to each other. And I was lying in one of them. I'm not actually sure where my sister was, but in this story, she does not appear. So I'm lying in bed and I'm just awake. You know, it's the middle of the day. So everything is, you know, pretty clear. And I turned and I looked toward my bedroom closet and the door was open. Um, and in the closet, there was this figure uh, standing. I mean, it took up almost the entire door space. Um, nope. nope. Also, there is nothing scarier than an open fucking closet when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Like, to this day, if that closet is open, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Yep. Yep. Well, after this, I've been a solid closets must be closed uh, sleeper. So anyway, so there is this dark figure in the closet um, and it looks like, you know, it sort of looks like it's wearing a cloak. And I look down a little bit to sort of where the, the arms would be or the sleeves. And I see that it was holding a long jagged knife. And it was kind of oh. the same color as everything else. It was all this sort of like gray, like a shadow. Um, and it looked, I mean, it looked almost like it was carved out of bone. Um, and so I couldn't stop sta- staring at it. I was super scared. Um, and this is a part where I don't totally remember what happened. But what I think happened or what I remember was that eventually... I sort of steeled myself and I got up and I closed the closet door and I got back in bed. And maybe a few minutes after that, I think I called for my mom to like come and lay down with me. And so she did, she came and I just kept thinking about the figure in the closet. Um, And ever since then, I, I have had to sleep with the closet door closed all through my childhood. I had the closet door closed and the light on. Um, so, so yeah, um, later on when I read Harry Potter, um, seeing the Dementors was like a reminder. It really felt like, oh, this is what I saw in my closet. Um, but much, much later, like when I was an adult, I was reading the internet and I was probably on some dumb Reddit forum or something. And someone was writing about shadow figures and, kind of what they described also matched what I saw in my closet. Oh, did you ever see it again or was it only the one time? I only ever saw it the one time, thank God. But like I said, I slept with the uh, light on in the closet for years afterwards and the door firmly shut. And to this day, I do not want to sleep with a closet door open. Oh. So that's my ghost story. What do you have, Drea? I have a lot of ghostly encounters. I currently have a ghost that is in residence in my home. Her name is Willa. I think she's a young... Uh, I, I don't know if she's a child or if she's just childlike, but she is very young. And... Um, Anne knows all about this ghost that sort of inhabits our house. Um, She really likes George Michael. She's very mischievous. And lost objects will appear in kind of rando places or very obvious places where there's no way they were there prior. Um, Music goes off and on. We just had an incident last week where I woke up because I heard a sound. And it sounded like a child talking and laughing. And it was like, whoa. Uh, And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to sleep. That's not going to deal with this right now. So I rolled over trying to go back to sleep and all of the electronic devices in the house started chiming. So my work laptop, which was shut down and closed, started chiming. My personal laptop, which was shut down and closed, started chiming. Our phones chimed. It was very bizarre. Uh, So ghostly presences are as natural to me these days as Hogwarts, as they are at Hogwarts. Um, But 
I remember a fairly early encounter in my adulthood that really shook me and has been probably the one time I've been very terrified of a spirit entity. Um, because most uh, most spirits are fairly chill. You know, either they have unfinished business or they have some attachment to the space that you're inhabiting. Um, but most of them mean pretty well. And the thing about spirits is they, if you know how to engage with them, they kind of have to leave you alone. Uh, but some of them have a bit more trouble kind of moving on and accepting their fate. Uh, so my then-boyfriend, now-husband and I, did a little road trip um, to an area in North San Diego County called Rancho Santa Fe. And this was before, way before we lived here. So... I think I was I was probably like a senior in college, so I was still living up in Northern California, and it was during you know one of the break I think it was like spring break or something, and um, we st we stood at this really beautiful historic property called the Inn at Rancho Santa Fe. So it was actually an old ranch that has been converted into a really beautiful hotel with lovely grounds and gardens. Uh, and it's gorgeous. So you go out there and it's kind of remote and isolated. So we had this really beautiful room and it was on like, it was like at the edge of one of the buildings. So we, we only bordered up against one other room. And then on the other side of us, there was no room there. And we go to sleep and, you know, the rooms had fireplaces and it was all very swank and romantic and stuff. Go to sleep and I wake up because I feel something touching me. And I'm about ready to smack my boyfriend, right? And I wake up, so I wake up, I open my eyes. He is dead asleep. But I still feel hands on me, kind of going up and down the length of my body, not in like a creepy sexual way, but just in a, in a, hey, I'm here sort of way. And I'm already kind of freaked out about it. And I sort of look up and above my head, I see the shadow of hands moving across the ceiling. And so I look at the fireplace. I'm like, is this something that could be, you know, ca is it casting a shadow from the fireplace? Nope. Fireplace is almost totally out. Then I hear coughing. And the coughing is so violent and so distressed and there's heavy wheezing. I mean, it sounds like someone has like tuberculosis there or pneumonia that they're really, really sick. Um, and it was just super disturbing. And so my, my boyfriend also woke up and I'm like, do you hear that? He's like, oh my God, someone's really sick. And so, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do. And it quiets down a little bit. And then later it starts um, and it was just a super, super weird experience. There were all these things that didn't add up, and I felt really ill at ease in that room. And so I actually woke up super early, like 5.30, 6 o'clock, got my act together. I was like, let's go. <laughs> we were due to check out. I was like, nope, let's just get out of here. We can get breakfast on the road. Let's move it. So... We leave and we're checking out and um, my boyfriend says to the to the guy at the front desk, hey, you know, whoever is in the room next to us. Now, remember, there's just one room next to us. It, there's something wrong with that person. They seem really, really sick. Um, we heard coughing all night. So you may want to just send someone there to check on them, make sure they're okay, because it was silent this morning, but they had a rough night. And this guy at the desk just kind of goes a different shade of pale. And he said, 
there isn't anyone in the room next to you. In fact, there's no one in that row of rooms because that section had been under construction. Um, At the time we were there, we were remodeling. They were remodeling uh, parts of the hotel and our room was newly remodeled, but they were working on the other ones. So there was no one staying in those rooms and there wasn't any construction happening because it was the weekend. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we were like, cool. Thanks. It's been great. See you never. Yeah. Backways never have been back. Never have been back. It's like, nope. Ah. And now we have a friendly ghost, so it's fine. I mean, I'm glad that your current ghost is good. Friendly. (laughs) I'm glad that you survived a... This haunted inn, and then it wasn't any worse than some hands and some coughing. You um, had a shadow man with a bone knife. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm about? glad I survived that, too. <laughs> I'm glad we also, survived. <laughs> Translation, Anna's like, we are never staying together anywhere ever again. <laughs> I mean, the one time we did, we were pretty sure it was haunted. You were sure it was haunted. I was sure it was just bad. <laughs> mosquito infested well i speaking of bad and haunted should we get back to brooklyn if we must so in honor of spooky season we are celebrating some of our favorite witches and wizards and featuring a very special wine from serrano vineyards in paso robles called the firebolt that's right in honor of Harry Potter's room in the Harry Potter series, The Firebolt. So what can you tell me about this wine, Drea? Uh, Let's start with some of the basics. So first of all, this is a big boy. It is a red blend. I do not know what is in it. There is no information anywhere, Um, but it is a red blend and it has an ABV of 15%. So it's, you know, it is a hearty fall red wine. Uh, it's right around the time of the year where it's getting a little cooler. The leaves are changing colors. You're sitting across from a condemned building, you know, whatever. Like you, you're going to need the big boy to get through the night here. Uh, but I don't know a ton else about this wine because I was sort of gifted it by one of the owners of Serrano. So I happen to be up in Paso, as you know, I love it there. My dog loves it there. We really enjoy a good Paso stroll. And I went tasting um, at Serrano. They have a really adorable little tasting room in downtown Paso Robles. And I went there specifically because I'd heard of this Harry Potter themed wine. And I was like, okay, I love wine. I love nerds. Like clearly these are my people. So I get there, it was very nice. It's a little bit fancy. They had really beautiful wines. And I was like, so how about this Harry Potter? Like, where's my Patronus charm? And one of the owners was there and he looked at me with a very sad puppy dog look on his face. And he was like, oh, so we're sold out. No. It was very tragic. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, someone did a TikTok on it. And I was like, fucking TikTok. Anyway, he he was rad. Um, we had a great tasting with him. I was there with my parents. Uh, I bought some wine. I bought I bought some candles. It was all very fun. Uh, they ha- they actually have a wine called the Black Mamba, and they had this whole like shrine to Kobe Bryant in there that I was like, I need photos. This is beautiful. And when I was leaving, he pulled this bottle out and gifted it to me. He was like, you you deserve this. Um, this is from his private stash. These are the wines he likes to drink at home at the end of the day. So I feel very honored to be able to feature this. And thank you very much to Bryce Garrett. Um, again, one of the co-owners who was working the tasting room that evening and gave us this wine to enjoy. Yeah. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Serrano. But I do know a few things about it. It's going to lend some mystery to this bottle for us. But um, Mystery. But it is a red blend. It is unclear what that blend is. Uh, By the time I left with my gift of Firebolt, it was 
like my third stop. So, you know, I was just really grateful, everyone. You know how it be. But a um, couple of basics about Serrano I thought that we could talk about and the vineyard from where their wines come from. Uh, and actually, let's sort of start with the winemakers themselves because they're super rad and they've got a great story. Um, so first of all, Serrano means one of or from the mountains. And they met at university in Tennessee and fell in love, came out to California, settled in, in Paso, got married. And um, the, so the owners are named Sarah and Bryce Garrett. Uh, Sarah is the head winemaker and Bryce kind of does all the other stuff. So he runs tasting room and books and stuff. Um, but together they're a great team and they just have such a sense of humor, but also this really great refinement when it comes to their wines. Uh, and I do feel like since we are drinking one of their Harry Potter themed bottles, we do need to disclose that Sarah, her Hogwarts house is Slytherin. And just like you. Just like me. And Bryce is Gryffindor. So that, I mean, that makes for a spicy relationship, yeah, which I does. feel really comes out in the wines. So, um, how they got, they, they were always into wines, uh, and they, when they moved to Paso, they started working in Sarah's stepdad's cellar, but really wanted to branch out on their own and kind of build their own legacy and really change the discourse around the culture of wine for young people. So really millennials. They are definitely younger millennials. Um, I believe they were born like in the early 90s. And there's just, we've talked a lot about this a lot on the podcast. There's just such this mythology that, you know, wine is inaccessible and it should be such a high society thing. When really like the whole point of wine is to drink it. Right. Mm -hmm. And to, to learn about and to grow about and to experience different wines and regions. And they're really committed to that exploration and that process. Um, so they really wanted to make wines that could appeal to the younger generation of millennials, both in terms of palate and in terms of price point but also still capture the attention of established wine drinkers, right? And that's a, I, I think that's a really hard line um, to, to navigate because there are really different differences in wants and needs. And I think kind of the younger generation of wine drinkers is much more uh, in, into experimental wines um, and, you know, new varietals and have really come of age in a time and a space where natural disasters kind of dictate all sorts of things, right? And so you, if you're, you know, drinking wines from California, like you're dealing with fires and droughts. If you're drinking wines from New York, uh, the Finger Lakes, we were just talking about this with another friend in the wine industry this morning over brunch, you're dealing with things like noble rock because the amount, the sheer amount of water up here. So when well, I, th I think some of like some of what we've talked about at different points is, you know, like you said, there's this attitude that wine is sort of traditional, stodgy, things like that. And I think like like you've talked about even just having a, a series of wines that are based on Harry Potter themes is creative, brilliant, whimsical, humorous, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Like, I think there's just, um, there's sort of a, uh, a, a whimsy and, um, you know, they're, they're not taking themselves too seriously, but I think really appeals to like the millennial mindset. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, their goal is to make wine so they're approachable without sacrificing you know, body, flavor, and complexity. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's a great goal to have, especially in contemporary winemaking, which, you know, is competitive, right? And so they are continuing to expand. And they recently brought, bought a 10-acre property in High, Texas, and are planning on building a tasting room, which they hope to open sometime next spring. So spring 2022. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's a great opportunity for growth. A lot of 
new wineries and urban wineries are coming out of Texas. There's a ton that are situated around the Austin area. Um, I think kind of domestically, that's the next place people really have their eye on. So to get in on that ground level, I think is, is really smart business too. Yeah. So if you are in Texas and you like wine, which obviously do you do because you're listening to this podcast and you're into um, Harry Potter or just good wines, keep an eye out for yeah, them. Yeah, go check them out. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about their winemaking practices, which again, you know, they, they say a lot of the stuff on their website, so I won't go into too many details, but they're really similar to things that we value on this podcast. So they believe in minimal intervention and manipulation of their wines. It's really important for them to let the terroir and the fruit kind of speak for themselves. The real magic, I think, for them happens in that blending process. So the blending of different varietals and, you know, that's what Paso Robles as a region is really known for. Um, Almost every vineyard in Paso has a GSM, which is a Grenache Syrah Movedro blend. And it's, it's interesting because if you taste in that region, they're all so different. So if one is a little bit heavier balance of Grenache or Syrah, it's, it's going to taste different on that palate. And of course, they all have different processes. So blending is a process that is very important to the wine ecosystem there in Paso. And it's something that they really pride themselves on here at Serrano. Uh, they also do a lot of a lot of work with oak. So they use both French and American new oak um, for their red wines and their reds age anywhere from 16 to 36 months before they hit, you know, your palate. So they're definitely committed to that process of winemaking. In terms of the vineyard, Um, They source their grapes primarily from the Russell Family Vineyard, which is located in the Willow Creek Appalachian, which is on the west side of Paso Robles in California. Um, And a couple things about this region to just keep in mind as you're sort of sipping on some of their wines is there's lots of hills uh, and it's primarily limestone-rich soils. Uh, I know we've covered this on the podcast before, but... That's what Paso is really known for is that limestone in the soil there. What's interesting about this particular vineyard though is that because it's situated on a series of hills, there's a variable of elevation and sun exposure hmm. that hits this vineyard. So it really allows the vines to soak up the warmth of the sun throughout the day and then cool when the night air kind of comes in and really sits in those crevices of the hills. And so they're really getting the best of both worlds. Um, And, you know, because they're in close proximity to the ocean, the vineyard is characterized by those warm, clear days and then much lower nighttime temperatures. Uh, And it's not uncommon, even in the summer, for temperatures to fluctuate between the daytime and the evening, 40 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, that's a huge swing. But even when I was up there in the summer, it's 100 degrees in the day. But, you know, by the evening, it's 60 to mid-50s. So those grapes are really getting kind of all the seasons in one. And what that dramatic temperature variation does is it increases the time of a grape's maturation cycle. So it provides fruit then that creates more complex wines because they're sitting on the vines a little bit later. And that fluctuation prevents the grapes from overripening too quick or, you know, becoming too large or then like, you know, shriveling up and sort of just dying and turning into raisins. No one wants that. So they stay good a little longer. They have a little longer to mature. Yeah, they just, you know, hang out a little. The cool just, like, chills them out a bit. Yeah, they're happy grapes. Good. Well, should we look at what's uh, in our plastic cups these days? Man, this is... is, We are not doing Serrano justice. This is sad. (laughs) We're sorry. We're sorry. I also carted this bottle all the way from California. Like it was, I was, it was very nerve wracking. I was like, I brought some nice clothes on this trip. Please make it. I love you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. So what are we looking at? 
What do you see when you look at this this glass? This wine be dark. Really dark. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is a deep, deep plum red. It's it's perfect for spooky season because it's like, I want to suck your blood. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but it's got, yeah, we are literally trying to tilt this so we can see it up against the stark whiteness of my sheets. If you do sort of tilt it, you do get kind of more of a cranberry color on the edge yeah. rather it, than that deep, deep plum. It definitely has like purple undertones though. Yes. Honestly, I really want a lipstick this color. It's beautiful. All right, so let's take a... God, it is really hard to swirl in a plastic cup. Let's take a let's take a swirl, do a sniff. Where are you getting on the nose? I'm not getting a ton. Again, possibly because we are drinking these out of plastic cups. Cherry, plum. There's also like a wittiness to this too. Okay. There's a little bit of like a little bit of that firebolt action. Maybe a little broomstick. Cedar, a little broomstick. No, a little, little cedar. A little tobacco, maybe. Yeah, I mean, from the nose, you can tell it's it's a more robust red. Yeah. Do you get any leather in this one? I'm getting more of the wittiness. Okay. It's a little it's a little harder for me. Again, the, this is not an ideal taste. I mean, I was just I was just guessing. I mean, I like, I'm, what are the I'm smells kind of wondering would it make more sense to pour it into this Tupperware and just drink out the Tupperware? <laughs> Should I chug out the bottle? It's unclear. Possible, possible. See what we get. See where the night takes us. All right, so let's, let's give it a taste. I don't know how to identify this, but there is something in the feel of the wine on the tongue mm-hmm. that that is like, it gives it a little, ooh, like what's going on here? There's definitely like a zestiness, like yeah. a spiciness. I, I would venture to say there's, in this one, there's either Syrahs and Fendel definitely mm-hmm. kind of lingering there. It's also... You know, keep in mind, this is a young red, right? Okay. It's a 2019. What I love about these younger reds is, you know, it's robust enough that you can drink it now. Like, it's mm-hmm. got a good body. It's got a good mouthfeel. It's got good fruit. It's got some tannins. But it also could be laid down for a couple of years, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. De- definitely, though, that kind of... Um, Woodsiness, the leather, the tobacco, a little bit of caramel. Like, those are the flavors that I get more. The fruit doesn't last as long on the palate as the nose, as it did on the nose, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's a good question for you since we're drinking this wine and it's something that maybe our listeners can identify with. If this wine were a character from Harry Potter, who would it be? Oh, good question. I really think this wine would be Snape. Ooh. It's complicated. It's dark. It's a little brooding. (laughs) I can... (laughs) I can see drinking it in a dungeon, like the Slytherin common rooms. I was going to say Remus Lupin. Different different direction. What do you justify your choice? um, So, you know, it's interesting, and it's got some body... It's still mysterious, though. Like, I, I don't quite know its story. Is it a werewolf? Unclear. Uh, it, would, it would go well with some chocolate. It would go well with some chocolate, um, which we know he carries on his person constantly. It, It's also, though, you know, Remus himself is a little, like, broody. He's, a little, it's, he's got a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. Um, and that, like, zestiness kind of reminds me maybe this is like Remus once he meets Tonks maybe that's like a good way to think about this wine so I was trying to decide between Snape and Sirius Black oh actually. now you want two well no I'm just okay. saying I and I feel like Sirius is kind of the combination in between because like everything that you've described also a little flair for the dramatic also a little brooding a little dirty <laughs> Sirius though is so like bourgeois I mean he's definitely some like you know ridiculous French hard to find vintage. Let's be honest. He's been on the run drinking out of puddles. Yeah, so as a dog, so now he's like, she likes the finer thing, creature, go get me some good juice. Mm. (laughs) What would be a situation that you would pair with this wine? 
you know that every response I give is going to be related to Harry Potter, right? Great. Great. Okay. Um, we're watching all of the movies. We're drinking this wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will constantly be quizzing my poor husband, and he will be getting them all wrong. And, yeah, just going to make some popcorn, have some goobers. Great, great. Drink this wine. And that's the nice thing about this wine, because it... I know we haven't gotten to the food yet, but I feel like it's a wine that you can pair really well with food, but also it can stand alone. Mm -hmm. So you could just, like, this is the type of bottle where, you know, you've had a long day, maybe a good day, maybe a not so good day. Mm -hmm. You took down some Death Eaters or whatever. Um, You had a rough day at the Ministry of Magic. Who knows? And you just want to enjoy a really nice glass of wine, uh, you know, while you're just hanging out, relaxing, trying to plot your deepest, darkest revenge. I don't know. Something spooky. And it's it would go either way. Like, you can do it with food. You can do it without food. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drink it while I'm watching Harry Potter and eating popcorn. What are you drinking it with? You know, I think this would be a really delicious uh, accompaniment to an Order of the Phoenix meeting. Oh, I oh think we we're getting could, all mystical. Okay, I see. I think we is. could just, you know, as we are plotting how to take down the Dark Lord, we could be sipping on a little bit of this. Like you said, maybe cheersing to to a good fight with the Dementors or a good fight with the Voldemort's army. Do you think they serve this at Bill and Flora's wedding? I think this is way too fancy for Molly. Maybe. I don't know. I think, but like Molly's full of surprises. Fair enough. Who yeah. can say? Who can say? They probably serve this at Malfoy Manor. That, yes. <laughs> they 100% do. <laughs> Bellatrix Lestrange Who's travels me? with a bottle everywhere she goes. Time to make an unbreakable vow. Let's go, people. <laughs> All right. So, um, what are you what are you eating with the swine? What are you gonna pair with it? I'm trying to make a Harry Potter reference, and it's fully failing me. So I'm gonna go just into regular what I would eat with this. I want this with like a really wonderful pasta dish, um, with like a sage and butternut squash. Oh, not red sauce. No, I want like a sagey butternut squashy sauce to go with it. I think that that sweetness. And sort of richness will go really nicely with this. Aren't we having pasta tonight too? Yeah. Ooh, this is delightful. Uh, chocolate frogs. Okay. That's okay. Harry and chocolate frogs. Excellent. Great choice. What music would you listen to? Mm, I got it. Okay. Okay. So, in Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows, Part One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or just or the book Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. But no, actually. My music reference only makes sense for the film, so sorry. Sorry, hardcore fans of all things. You're really not going to like this. Um, in Harry Potter, <laughs> The Deathly Hallows, part one. They, you know, Okay, so the bulk of the book, let's be honest, and that first movie is just Harry, Ron, and Hermione trekking through the forest. Wandering around. Wandering around, looking for horcruxes. Ron gets real pissy about things. And then it's just Harry and Hermione wandering around, breaking wands, looking for horcruxes. There's a lot of crying and shouting. It's very dramatic. Everyone's under a lot of stress. Everyone's under a lot of stress. But there's that really sweet moment in that film where um, Harry and Hermione are dancing in the tent. And there's that song. I have no idea who the artist is. I have no idea what the song is called. But it's just kind of like bluesy and so and Anne is immediately going to do a quick Google search. Um, but it's just like bluesy and sweet and they start laughing and I feel like that's the type of music that would really pair well with this bottle. Oh Children by Nick Cave. Oh that's wow that really makes sense why I follow Nick Cave on Spotify. Yeah, so Oh Ch- Children by Nick Cave. Apparently we can't play it because there are like laws or whatever, but fine. But it's it's sexy and it's smoky and it's bluesy. Um, and it's just like such a sweet moment in the film. It's this, it, it, and it's so unexpected, I feel like, right? That they're mm-hmm. just having this moment and you, you forget I, during the course of these books, even though like Anne and I essentially grew up with them, that 
these are kids. They're like 17 years old or something, right? Like they've left Hogwarts to literally go save the world from this horrible dark lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's what I would listen to. Nice. What are you listening to? I would listen to Florence and the Machine. Nice. Uh, I feel like she's got a real witchy vibe. She does. And would really go well with this with this uh, wine pairing. I feel like Stevie Nicks, we could throw her in the mix. I feel like this is a really stupid question to ask, but what are you reading as you drink this wine? As I started this episode, I would certainly be reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban to get that Firebolt uh, reference reference in there. Yeah. Also, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite Harry Potter. Is that your favorite? Yeah, it's my favorite one. You know, I've read the series in its entirety probably about five times now. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I've read them at different, I've read it at different points in my life. And I was never a fan of Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh. For a lot, like the first, like the first cycle through, probably, probably been the third. And the last time I reread all of them, I also, I totally thought about rereading them in preparation for this episode. And then I was like, you need to calm down. But uh, the last time I reread the series was right before we went to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two on Broadway. And I found, I really, really was drawn to that book much more than I previously had been. And same with the films. And I think what I like about it is, you know, everyone talks about The Goblet of Fire as the book where kind of that that spell of innocence is broken, right? Mm-hmm. With the death of Cedric Diggory. And I actually don't think that's true. I think it happens in book three. When Harry, you know, has to contend with the fact that he that there's been all these lies about the death of his parents and that he does have this one person who, you know, truly could be real family to him. And he, he, there's an acknowledgement that he's really never going to get to experience that. And I think that that's, that's such a grown up adult theme to have to deal with. Um, and he, I don't think he quite, if the character doesn't quite like understand the significance of what happens in that book, but as a retrospective reader now, who is pushing 40, it's like, who is an older millennial, it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> I think for me, Prisoner of Azkaban, the, well, I think, I think there is, I think people are right when they say there is a shift in Goblet of Fire. I think the first three books really stand as like, these are children's books. These are um, young, young adults in a way that I think while, while they're still young adult in the rest of the series, it's, it's a shift. Like you said, I think there is that shift. I think to me, Goblet of Fire or not Goblet of Fire, Prisoner of Azkaban is like, one of the things I like about it is it is a complete story in and of itself. It's also the only story where the enemy is not Voldemort. The enemy is fear. Well, and fear around it. Like it's, right. you are, he is never, Harry is never confronted with Voldemort in this story. It's not what it's about. It's about, like you said, what are the secrets that are being kept from me? What are the things that I have learned? Mm-hmm. I think it's a really beautiful And I've just always found that to be interesting, that it's like, this is the one story where it really isn't about Voldemort at all. It's about sort of like, it's about something else. And I've I've always just really enjoyed that. Who are you drinking this wine with? Who are you inviting? Okay, let's, let's, let's see how well you, (laughs) who do you think I'm inviting to have this wine with? Are you inviting Tom Felton? No, you're inviting Tom Felton. Like, come on now. <laughs> oh, right. We're not the same. <laughs> Anna's inviting Tom Felton. Do you want to tell everyone why you're inviting Tom Felton? I had a huge crush on him. Says the Ravenclaw. That's why I'm inviting him. <laughs> We're going to drink this at Malfoy Manor. Um, oh, you're... Are you inviting... Uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. No, Are we having I... a whole Malfoy party up in here? 
I am not. She actually does scare the shit out of me. Oh, well, then I I don't know that I know. Um, I'm obviously inviting Alan Rickman. Well, so I was originally going to be like living or dead. Oh, yeah. I don't care. I'll take him anywhere I can get him. I yeah. love him. I love yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I... If if Alan's not available for our hot post-mortem date. Um, wow, this became a zombie show very quickly. I was going to say, do you want to take a retake? <laughs> I don't. I'm fine with this. Um, it's spooky season. Woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie Smith would be my other my next guest. Great yeah. choice. Yeah. Great choice. And then we'll punish Tom Felton. <laughs> I always wanted to use that spell. <laughs> well, if you have enjoyed... Sitting here, reliving your Harry Potter fantasies with us. Um, you know where you can find us. Follow us on Instagram at Two Girls and a Grape Pod. If you enjoyed this, um, if you know of some other literary wines that we should be trying out, send us an email. You can reach us there at Two Girls and a Grape Pod at gmail.com. And, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, the best way you can support us is to rate and review this podcast. Um, Give us five stars on Apple iTunes. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help us out. Where can people get this wine, Drea? So you can get wines directly from Serrano's website. Um, You can find them at Serrano. That's S-E-R-R-A-N-O wine. W-I-N-E.com. And with the thing with the Harry Potter line that they do, so they have, let's see, they have um, Firebolt, Knox, Patronus, Horcrux. There's there's five or six of them in that line. They sell out like super fast. So they just did a vintage, I think they just did a release in early October and like they're gone. So you just need to sort of keep checking, get on their email list, follow them on Instagram. Um, They're a super rad couple. So definitely try and buy your wines direct. And if you see this wine, uh, don't wait on it. Yeah, don't sleep on it. Well, until next time, salute. Salute.